Yeah, let's do the let's do the thing. It you know, um, I don't know, man. Our birthdays are in a couple of months, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. We're getting closer to thirty. God, what are we gonna do? I guess we they gotta take us out back and put us down. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's what I hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're thirty and they say it's all downhill from here, yeah. they really it's just a euphemism for yeah. it. And now we go out back and yeah, we put you to sleep. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's a euphemism for uh, what? Do you, what do you call it? Um, uh, what, what's the what's the technical term for? You're uh, talking about euthanasia. Yeah, it's a euthanism for <laughs> euthanasia. <laughs> <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Maybe that'll be our first official merch. Maybe that'll be... That's <laughs> too many flicks. Just a euphemism for euthanasia. How euphoric. Oh, this is dark. This is really dark. I don't know if we were supposed to go this dark. I don't know, but we did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're, here. we're here. You might as well just like, I don't know, try to take a nap or something. Yeah, a long, tasty nap. Is that just a euphemism for... for euthanasia. Oh, man. <laughs> right. We are here. We are back for another episode. 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 In a world where we have episodes about trailers and movie news and comic book movie news and just the general news about all the films you want to see. You want to see comes this fall and summer. Too many flicks. Two brothers running a podcast <laughs> together. <laughs> What's up, guys? Oh man, that was we we went we went for it. I think we went somewhere. Yeah, I don't know did. if we got yeah. to it, but we definitely we went, went for it. Yeah, we went, definitely went somewhere. We tried. We, you know what? We we tried, and that's that's all you can do. Sometimes that's all you can do. Sometimes. Try and that's try right. again. And so here we are, friends, trying once again for yeah. you. Right. My name's Ian. My name's Ben. And we're too many flicks. That's us. That no no one else has this name. It's crazy, right? You think someone would pick it up? But well, they didn't. We grabbed it first. We grabbed it first. Yeah, yeah, we did. And we want you to tell your grandma and pa about us because this is great. We're putting news in your noggin and knowledge in your noggin. Mm-hmm. Better than any educational system in the United States can do that. <laughs> It's not a high bar, folks, but we're here to meet it. <laughs> no. All right. Maybe we should uh, jump right into our first segment. How does that sound? Let's jump, baby. Jump, jump. Crisscross and make you jump, jump. <laughs> <laughs> tasty. Tasty. Trailer. Trailer. Mm, that's good. That's real good. All right, friends. First up in Tasty Trailers, we are taking a look at The Irishman. It drops September 27th, and it's directed by Martin Scorsese, and it's starring Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, Ray Romano, and Harvey Keitel. The plot goes as such. Frank Sheeran maintains ties with the Buffalino crime family and claims to have killed fellow teamster Jimmy Hoffa. The Buffalino. Buffalino. Hey, let me tell you some kid. Huh? What are you doing? You look like your mother, huh? <laughs> I don't know. That wasn't bad. No, that was a, that was a, that is a solid mobster impression. Thank you. I yeah. Appreciate it. Absolutely. You. Yeah. But uh, this trailer, a lot of mobsters, a lot of Irishmen. Yeah. A lot of um, CGI aging down effects. Which actually, so 
I really like this television show called BoJack Horseman. Some of y'all might have heard of it. And it's really funny because they're usually pretty much ahead of the curve in satirizing Hollywood trends. Like they will satirize or make fun of something. And then literally months later, you will see it happening in Hollywood. And in season two, they have this whole bit where they CGI map bojack horseman's face so that way if he goes missing in the middle of like this major film shoot they can just cg him directly into the film and that's sort of what we see happening here with all this de-aging technology oh yeah no for sure and it's getting really good though like i didn't even it didn't even occur to me at first that robert de niro looked way younger than he should have right no it's it looks really good the only time i noticed it was um the phone call when they zoom into his face i was like sure that's a little rough other than that, the de-aging is really good. I do have a problem with de-aging, though. And I'm going to tell you why. Yeah, yeah. As awesome as it is and as great as the technology is and probably as cheaper as it... I, I don't know if it is ultimately cheaper. I guess you're paying for the CGI, not an actor, every day. But I feel like that, that could have been a spot for a younger actor who looks like Robert or could invoke Robert De Niro's spirit and, and play a younger version of him. Um, I, you know, or just get a younger actor. No, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think you bring up a great point. You know, it's... It's Hollywood just keeping that that's the same core people and not really trying to expand and find new faces. Well, and that is so that is something that is a trademark of Scorsese is that he he has a very particular way that he likes to work, and so he finds people Who work, that he works yeah. well with. Right, and so I see both sides of it because it's fine. not yeah, yeah, it's not uncommon for a director to have their sort of cadre to be like, yo, these are these are the the fam that I jam with. Right, yeah, this is my thing. This is what I do. I'm I'm trying to get me and my boys and 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 our women and are them uh, to eat. <laughs> and I, I well, I'm I'm also curious how much of this was for lack of a better term, sort of a marketing ploy because huh. essentially you're reuniting like all of the great, not all of the great, but a lot of the great mafioso actors right. for one another, like Scorsese getting back into his element of a mafia story for Netflix, which as we've talked about in the past, like is hungry for truly powerful original material. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, look, Scorsese is on Netflix. That's a huge get. And you got all these fucking A-listers. They might be older now, but they still can they still can act their asses off if given the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. Obviously. Like they're crap they're only gonna if they're truly committed to it. And someone like De Niro, who I really appreciate, he takes stuff that subverts the expectation of him being Mr. Tough Guy. Like his his role in Silver Linings playbook, he does fantastic in. Right, absolutely. Something like this, I, I feel like it was somewhere in the 65% range of Netflix being like, oh, you got to get us De Niro. You got to get all your old mafia film friends back together to do a, a film for us about the mafia, please. And oh, Scorsese yeah. was like, all right, sure. Like, yeah, I've been sitting on the script. Uh, let's let's yeah. fucking do it. I've been waiting to do this anyway. Speaking of the script, this is actually, so this is loosely based on real events. Like it's not actually confirmed factual. Jimmy Hoffa was a labor union leader that mysteriously vanished. Ooh. But it is based off of a book, the book written by Charles Brandt, and the screenwriter. I want I want to touch on this because I, I feel Go like yeah. a movie is only as it can only be as strong as its story, mm-hmm. and the screenwriter just has been killing the game for years. His name is Stephen Zalian, and listeners, you've seen his work. Even if you don't know his name, odds are you've probably seen Schindler's List, American Gangster, the American version of Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Like it, the, the list just goes on and on. This dude has been 
kill in the game for 20 years and he's here working with one of the most talented directors of our generation and the past generation like scorsese just the longevity of his career is crazy he's got something like 64 credits under his directing belt right I have high hopes for this film. I think Netflix might actually get their first, excuse me, second original film that is worthy of Oscar buzz because you have Roma. So it could it can land in two different places. It could be the next Goodfellas mm-hmm. or it can be the next Casino. Now, Casino was good. I like Casino. Casino is a cult classic for sure. Sure. Not as good as Goodfellas or not as good as uh, The Departed, too. I was gonna say oh, the, Departed. the Departed might be one of my favorite films from him. Oh, it's really tough to beat goodfellas i love it is, the it is. It, but i love me some goodfellas well and i think my jam i think what makes goodfellas so strong is that it has such a solid element of humor to right, it yeah it's sort of irreverent sure. like it is a mobster story but it is at, at many points pretty lighthearted. right what the fuck's so funny huh huh do i look like it says do, do i amuse you right <laughs> and it, to, it toes that line so well because you're sitting in this room full of crazy people whose egos if you right. like even graze their ego like will kill you as soon as look at you yeah. but at the same time it's very funny like it's very yeah. lighthearted at a lot of times but but that like you said that 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 lightheartedness can be abruptly like ended at any moment because they're always on edge so anything can happen like they, you just always feel that tension even though you're having a good time it's just like oh shit oh shit like, right i said i said one wrong thing yeah, like, and now i have no fingers fucking dead or no fingers <laughs> um yeah but i think this is a great get the trailer does look promising de niro in rare form uh do you think do you think this could possibly garner oscar buzz they're definitely i, I do I, th- I think that this is the second like there are many installments in the netflix original film catalog roma was well deserved of all of the acknowledgements and adoration that it got and i think that we might finally like they're starting to find storytellers and directors that are established that want to work with them i think i think that this will be a really 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 good installment into just the scorsese filmography if nothing else yeah yeah you know i me and your father we'll get down and we uh, we had a nice spaghetti dinner and then afterwards we fucked wait what <laughs> That's a little callback for some of our high school friends. Right. <laughs> I, I'm positive at least one of our listeners might remember that. If they don't, I'm yeah. sorry. We were either 19 or 17 when that... Uh, well, it was high school, so we were right. definitely not 19. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Ben... <laughs> That's that was good, that, friends. We're transitioning into our next film, yeah, and I just butchered it. So Ben, be me. Why, don't, why don't you why don't you go ahead and tell the folks what we're talking about next? <laughs> it's okay, you were so like, wait, hold on, Ben. I did no one, not one of us stayed the fuck back. <laughs> we were not held back in school. We definitely all graduated <laughs> at eighteen. I take offense. <laughs> but the transition is nineteen seventeen, and it comes out December the twenty fifth, like on Christmas. Talk about fucking Oscar bait. It's directed by Sam Mendes, and it's starring Richard Madden, Benedict Cumberbatch, Dean, Charles Chapman, Colin Firth, and Mark Strong, among many others. Two British soldiers experience one harrowing day while fighting in World War One in 1917. Oh, boy. This is an intense slate of trailers, y'all. But you know what? Mm-hmm. This movie looks great. And I, as I mentioned before, it, on Christmas, that's like signal calling. Like, hey, we want to be in the category of best picture and our director and our cinematography and our some acting categories as well. It's also ballsy as hell. On Christmas, dude, this is a war film. You're putting a war film. <laughs> You're putting a war film on, on the Christmas. family day, which is going like, to be like up against Jumanji. <laughs> but I, I guarantee you that there are definitely going to be those families that are like, 
I don't want to go see a bunch of people romp around in the forest. I want to go see like a good like yeah. I don't know, like you know, manly let's, manly film or something. Yeah, history. Uh, it's probably a lot of moderates and conservatives are gonna love this. Yeah, show. they just do. They do. I mean, not saying that's it's the movie necessarily made for them. War films are for everybody. Every they're everyone, but I can just see me like history. This is history. You know, right. Watch, you know all this other shit. Right. That being said, let's not downplay how fucking cool this movie looks. This movie looks fucking dope. It's incredible, yeah. and the the list of stars attached to this. this this has like every famous English actor under the sun. Let's talk about working with the nuclei of people. You know what? I wish I was British. Because Me too, a lot of times. Because they will recycle the same actors all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. It's just they know what they have, they know what, what sells, and they're going to use those same actors. They just are. Colin Firth and Benedict Cumberbatch have been in several war films this past couple of years. <laughs> Like the same people, <laughs> and Tom ha- like um Holland and Tom Hardy. Fuck both Toms. Yep, Itchus Elba. Itchus Elba. Yep, you throw him in there too. Just not a lot of black people in WW2. At least they weren't fighting <sighs> on the front lines. If they were, you don't you didn't hear about them too much. Uh, unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. But anyway, that being said, that's a whole discussion for a different day. Um, yeah, the cinematography is one of the the things I think. Quick, I want I want cinematography is going to be a big thing. I want to give a quick shout out to Dean Charles. Chapman and George McKay and all these younger folks that are going toe-to-toe with probably I have to imagine some of their inspirations like I feel like Colin Firth has to be an inspiration for just about any young actor oh yeah and to be on screen with him Benedict Cumberbatch and Mark Strong you're getting uh you're practically going through a boot camp of sorts and pun intended because not only are you working with these great actors to put you on but you're seeing how to professionally can uh conduct yourself on set you're seeing how mm-hmm. things are run. You're seeing how prepared. Trust me, as soon as Colin Firth, Benedict, any of these motherfuckers get a script, they memorize it within a week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they're easily. Yeah. They're ready to go at a drop of a fucking hat. They can probably recite the thing backwards and forwards. They're ready to fucking go. And this is probably one of those instances that you and I talked off the record about how they probably don't even get additions anymore. Yeah. And this is so this was an interesting conversation we had. And I, I, I'm glad that you brought it up while we're right. recording because I see two sides of that. Right. There's an actor you talked about on a show that we both love, Hot Ones, that said, I don't even audition anymore. Like, if you want to work with me, just let me know and I'll do the work. And part of me, like the very theater trained, deep seated part of me that like has a huge respect for the process and like was drilled to think that like auditioning is just de facto like a go to necessity takes umbrage with that. Yeah. But another part of me sees it as, well, it's like standardized testing, we said. Like, just because you do well on standardized tests doesn't mean that you are necessarily the most intelligent person in the room. So I, I guess I see that with auditioning as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I get the that I have terrible anxiety. Usually I've gotten, and not to toot my own horn, but a little bit of my background. I've gotten a lot better at theater auditions where I don't really sweat them too much. But when it comes to a film audition, I'm like, oh boy. Because <laughs> it's, you know, it's just, it's a different element. I was raising it. I, I'm comfortable now, but there was a point before where I was like, oh man, I don't, 
like yeah. I gotta do where you know where do I look, what do I need to do, like where you know, like I had to do this immediately. Sometimes the, the cold reader or the um the someone who's reading with you who just hasn't had that much energy because they're just trying to see everything from you. So it's just very interesting. I get it, and then I don't. I, I'm the same boat e with uh. It's a different beast, and I I part of me thinks that even though they are big names like Colin Firth or Benedict Cumberbatch, part of me thinks that they probably still do audition. They at the very least are like, I want to be just read for the part because I don't think that I should just be handed things. Yeah. Especially something as big as this. Right. But on the flip side, they're busy folks. Like maybe they don't have the time. They're busy. Uh, What I do is either a self tape or they're just like, come in cold read for this. All right, you got the part. Yeah. Just so, and also they probably like pair them up with different actors. Like, yeah, you guys look good together. Um, But yeah, so this movie, December the 25th, I don't know if it will make a shit ton of money, but it will May probably make its budget back and also there's definitely for oscar nominations and also like again like we said the cinematography is probably going to be up there it just it looks really good it's really quick so it's more of a teaser than a trailer i think but it's still yeah well i think i think what it does very well and i took this in the notes and i wanted to talk about it real quick i think it does a very good job of setting up very real relatable stakes yes. like so many stakes in hollywood nowadays are like millions of people will die whole like the whole planet's gonna explode and like we can wrap our minds around that but not as easily as we can as like you need to do this you have x amount of hours or 1600 people will die like it and right. not only that one of those 1600 people you main character that's one of, one of your family members right so it does a great job of setting up these like stakes that are still very high but much more grounded than a lot of things we see in film at least today with yeah. with all the superhero movies that are coming out and like all the any action movie it's like the world will end if you don't win right. whereas this is like the world's not going to end but it will be a catastrophe yeah this will be terrible i love a good war film that has a little bit of shaky cam not gonna lie and tight shots because they're in bunkers they're in a very small like yeah it's a big field but there's like very small things that you have to worry about uh, in very confined spaces and you just feel that it feels claustrophobic it feels dangerous it feels like any moment something can blow up a you feel that stress you feel that anxiety even even when they're in a bigger room where Colin Firth is explaining the orders and he's like as British as possible like yes it'll be a catastrophe and everyone will die good luck (laughs) yeah like they're like uh okay and like and again just like great character building too like it's like he he is delegating this very very important dire task and then we just cut to the two young soldiers that he's tasked with and they they take their moment and then they salute and they're ready to roll yeah something so eerie about stillness and chaos so much Mm, chaos mm -hmm. is around them but yet they're soldiers and they have to be still (laughs) yeah you have to be composed you have to be you have to be precise it's that's stressful as fuck to me what a good just a good trailer man good trailer yeah i think that's pretty much all we can say about that and it's really hard to transition in this next trailer but yeah i was gonna say that maybe we'll see them go mano y mano oh but no i like that keep it okay cut it print which which takes us friends into our next trailer we're looking at we're looking at manos it drops september 13th and it's directed by alejandro landes and it's starring sofia buenaventura we've got julianne nicholson moises arias and jorge roman just to name a few there are so many like there's like 
probably 12 people that are starring in because this is truly an ensemble piece, but those are the ones that we picked to name. The premise. On a faraway mountaintop, eight kids with guns watch over a hostage and a conscripted milk cow. That's all you need for this. That's that's all you need. The the trailer, this trailer merits multiple viewings because there is so much that's happening. It, whew. Yeah, it's it's a lot happening. From from the sound design to the images that they choose to use. First of all, let's just get this out of the way. There's a review that they put the text up on screen comparing it to Apocalypse Now, and so much of the imagery is like, oh, yep, I see where that, that comparison comes from for sure. Yeah, it's... Um it looks like it's going to be wild and maybe have one of those ambiguous endings. It is very indie, um, and I know that's not everyone's thing, but I, I will tell you this. It's beautiful to watch. No, it's it, yeah. it's gorgeous. It's beautiful to behold. It's chilling. It's haunting. We yeah. And this, this is what I, I think is so cool about it is that you don't get any of the premise that we read about in our in our setup here from just the images alone. It, it tells sort of its own independent story. We start with this open air cliffside shot with blue skies and clouds and, and we see like people sitting by this stream, these young women like braiding each other's hair and they're presumably just bathed because they all look very clean and slowly the sound design shifts and goes to sort of like this whistle, almost alarm call and we, we, we descend from day into night and we see them throwing mud at each other playfully at first and then immediately like it just like a like a snap it shifts in tone and everyone is armed and everyone's like painting themselves black or putting mud all over their face it's such a we see such yeah. a good story told through images alone that right. i can't wait to see what comes through with the dialogue if there is much at all um i will yes. tell you this uh it that tonal shift reminded me of the last black man in san francisco absolutely very yeah. much like oh they're oh this is kind of lighthearted, and all of a sudden a shift and song or sound and you're like oh okay i see where this is i see what we are doing i here. see what we're doing here um yeah just a lot of allusions to child soldiers and absolutely he's nature how it can psychologically damage a child well and i think that's what's going to be so upsetting about this film is that right. it's a coming of age story right like we see no small amount of you have you put eight kids on a mountainside like they're going like there's like some making out there's like them like learning but at the same time they're being radicalized so right. i think that's what's it's going to be a probably a very upsetting film for a lot of people to watch but yeah it might not be a happy ending on this one you know that might be safe to say ben Right, yep. <laughs> probably, <laughs> you're probably yep. not going to come out with a rejuvenated spirit. Yep, yep. So make sure you're healthy when you watch this. Make sure you're with family and friends. Um, <laughs> yep, sure set you, up some self-care afterwards. Yeah, make sure you've eaten a full meal. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe <laughs> not maybe a full not. meal because I don't know how upsetting some of this is going to get. Maybe not. Maybe maybe like a snack. Yeah, don't go in on an empty stomach. But yeah, yeah, don't go on an empty stomach. You don't want an upset tummy. Right, right. Make sure you're wide awake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. because this seems like a, a one those movies that you will have to pay attention to oh details. for sure don't come in where you're like off of a 12-hour shift and like i'm gonna watch monos now don't do that no you don't want to do that to your <laughs> you psyche or to it. your spirit right i this is super exciting this is uh this is landes's third film and i i'm i'm so stoked that he's getting so much recognition already because the 
just the look of it is crazy. I, 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 this might be my favorite trailer that we've seen this week, which is saying something because 1917 is a tour de force in terms of a trailer as well. But this in particular, just the images and the the story that they're telling with them is probably this probably ranks among my favorite. Okay, look at listen to that. This also is an Oscar contender. Three Oscar contenders this week, guys. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. No, this is a definitely cinematography and direction. I think for sure. Oh, sure. Do we have any other Oscar contenders this week, Ben, coming up on the the Tasty Trailers list? The next one, I think, is probably going to win. Okay, yeah. You think it'll win six? You think it'll be a a sextuplet Oscar win? I think it'll be a sextuplet Oscar win, which brings us to our next trailer. Sextuplets. Uh, It is a trailer, uh, if you want to call it that. I'm so upset. Or a movie, if you want to call it that. It comes out the 16th of August, directed by Michael Tidiz. It's That's amazing. not a joke, actually. Right, yeah. Uh, and it's starring Marlon Wayans, Molly Shannon, and Michael Ian Black. And here's the description, guys. Um, father-to-be Alan is shocked to learn that he was born a sextuplet, all played by Marlon Wayans. I, I'm going to read that sentence again because I want you guys to hear what the fuck I just said and what this description is saying. <clears throat> father-to-be Alan is shocked to learn that he was born a sextuplet, all played by Marlon Wayans. With his newfound brother, Russell, hiding shotgun, the duo sets out on a hilarious journey hmm, to reunite True. with their remaining lost siblings. Oh, man. So with all of these intense trailers we got, we're going to end on a bit of a um, silly note because this movie looks like trash. It looks like a heap of trash. Yep. This... I don't expect too much from Marlon Wayans, period. Um, which it, which is a shame, because he was a very formative comedy writer in the late 90s, early 2000s. Like, he yeah, he earned his place when he was doing that. Yeah, and then he made Little Man and this, and then another Netflix sh- movie called Naked, and it's just... Which was also directed by... I, I don't think his name can't... His last name can't be Tides. There's two There's Ds. Not, it's so his, his name is definitely either Michael Tides, or titties <laughs> and i don't i don't know which is the proper pronunciation <laughs> he is a longtime collaborator My with marlon t- wayne's titties let's just call him titties titties t-days or titties michael titties doesn't have a lot of direction credits under his belt here's just a few of them a haunted house starring marlon wayne's a Haunted House 2, starring Marlon Wayans. <laughs> oh, my. Fifty Shades of Black, starring, or at least written by Marlon Wayans. I actually <laughs> never saw it. Is he in it? Yep. Marlon Wayans, starring yep. Marlon Wayans. Yep. And Naked, starring Marlon Wayans. And they were all collectively pieces of truth. Fifty Shades <laughs> of Black sits at 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, man. For what that's worth uh, to you. How do you get worse than Fifty Shades of Grey? Roger Ebert gave Naked 1.5. Wow. Out of four. So he gave it that 0. 0.5. What, what constitutes <laughs> that 0. 0.5? Haunted House did slightly better than Fifty Shades of Black at 8%. Oh. Roger, and Ebert, Roger Ebert gave Haunted House 2 that 0. 0.5. I didn't know that you could get just a half point. I thought that they would not even review it. What the fuck? <laughs> he couldn't even give it a full point. <laughs> he watched the movie. He's so upset. He was so petty. You wasted my motherfucking time. I'm not even going to give you a full point. Yo. I'm curious. Hold on. I got to know. I got to know. My oh, friends. Yo, you, wait, this nigga is like <laughs> 0.5. 0.5. <laughs> Five. So, so this tells me two things about Marlon Wayans. 
one, they are paying this nigga a lot of money to make these movies. Mm, sure. So, yeah, I guess either he's making a lot of money on these movies or two, he just really enjoys making this type of shit because you have to know. Oh, he's just very stubborn. That's three. So three things. Somebody has to be in his ear being like, this is not good. Sure. This, I mean, comedy is subjective. Some people might find it to be funny. And if you like Marlon Wayans' comedy, you're good. You're okay. That's fine. Mm-hmm. However, I think Marlon Wayans is making these movies for Marlon Wayans. It's not for anybody else because majority of people, I think, find these movies to be just dumb. And I, yeah. I, I have to be honest with you. I, I don't understand why not try to appeal to a broader base. Why not try to get new writers on your team? Try to learn new things. Try to stay up to date. I don't care about these fat jokes. So many fucking fat jokes, dude. We are in 2019, bro. That's not acceptable. It's like, yeah, it's not acceptable. They're like, you should never be making fun of someone purely based off of their appearance. Like, that's not cool. And he plays a, a woman, which in and itself is just like, come on, dude. And <laughs> and like, she's plus size, and you're making, you just practically making a joke by just having her plus size. You, she didn't have to be. You didn't no. have to make that character plus. You did it because it's funny. You have or you think sizes. it's funny, yeah. Because you think, yes, because you think it's funny. This movie looks like complete and total utter shit, and I can't wait for you to review it on Netflix now. Just, don't, you put that on me. Are you gonna it's give another it a, burden. A point three. <laughs> point, I get, Ian rates it at a point zero zero two. Can you give it negative points? Can I, yeah, can I take points away from a film and ascribe them to a film more deserving? We gotta do that. Yeah, this is a negative two. This is a negative two, and I'm gonna take that two, and I'm gonna give it to this this project over right. here that you didn't see yet. Wasn't there uh, Black Stars and uh, Mario? Like, isn't there, wasn't it like Black Star, like Bad Stars or something like that for the Mario games? Really? I, oh, I for the Mario movies? Or no, just Mario games. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking something else. But anyway, I was just thinking like, instead of Gold Stars, it's Black Stars. <laughs> you get a Black Star. Um, so it, it comes out soon, uh, August the 16th. If you needed to like really mark that in your calendar. Um, Ian, um, <laughs> yeah. what do you think about the CGI of this movie? And do you think it was necessary? Do you think he could have just... Okay, first of all, this is not dunk on it. Let's figure out ways quickly, because I want to move on to Flix News, and I think we both do, um, sure. how to improve upon this premise. All right, so the monumental challenge of improving sex tuplets <laughs> would involve, first of all, eliminating all of these dumb fat jokes from 1998. Right. Get them out the film. People... Your characters can be of all body shapes and sizes. That shouldn't be the whole punchline for their character. Right. Once you remove that, you put in a little bit more of a family dynamic. Because that seems to be what the film is trying to justify all these jokes as. Like, ah, ha, ha, but they're family. Like, they're brothers and sisters. And, like, you can do that to each other. No. Enhance the family dynamic a little bit. Add in some jokes about how batshit wild your family is outside of, like just their appearance because that's not important who cares what your family looks like it, it matters like who your family is i don't even know how to improve this film ben i'm really trying i'm it's, reaching it's how tough. would you improve sex tuplets um i would prove sex tuplets by not having marlon wayans play all these characters you're not eddie murphy that's old yep. it's tired yep I literally, I took two notes on this trailer, and one of the notes was Norbit repeat. Right, yep. And the other one was fat jokes. Yeah, so Norbit and the clumps lumped into one. Yep. Uh, so don't do that. Maybe be fraternal swings, not identical. That's because identical is just, it's just dumb. With, uh, 
maybe don't do sex tuplets. Maybe do something more relatable, um, like triplets or something. Um, take out all the fat jokes that's unnecessary. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of slut shaming probably on mm-hmm. his mom's side. Like, I can't believe my mom was a hoe. I'm sure that's if that's not in there, I will eat off my left foot. <laughs> it I might not get, be because sex tuplets just means that they were born at the same time. Like, but it's Marlon Wayans. Also, yes. <laughs> there will be some type of slut shaming in the movie. I just know. Um, take that out. <laughs> um, and do you just tell us just you can have fun. It doesn't have to be Oscar material. Of course, we know like that's not your brand. Mm-hmm. But just focus. Don't stop trying to be all these fucking characters and just focus on one character because you can't act. So like, <laughs> Don't sorry. spread yourself over six no, characters if you can't play one. Yeah, it's like, stop, bro. And I'm sure once I like become successful and I meet Marlon Wayans, he's going to listen to this and like, fuck you, dude. And I'm like, whatever, man. Your movies are trash. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yep. So that's, I guess, it's really hard to go be, uh, to to get beyond that point because I just think this movie is almost unredeemable. But we have to watch it. It might be average i will take it upon myself when i have exhausted every other possibility for netflix now to go ahead and give sex tuplets a try bro you watched another life so you can watch sex tuplets i would absolutely watch three more seasons from another life (laughs) than i would readily hunker down to enjoy the hour 30 of groans you watch murder mystery i would happily watch (laughs) Two more sequels to a murder mystery than I would hunker down for the hour minute and hour and thirty minutes worth of groans. Bro, you watch war with me. I will happily <laughs> watch four more sequels of Jet Li and Jason Statham swapping faces and fists than I would to hunker down and watch the hour and thirty minutes of groans that will be sex tuplets. You heard it here, friends, folks. Let's move on to our next segment. <laughs> this just in. Extra, extra, read all about it. Netflix news. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, 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 cool. All right, here we are. Ian, you want to kick us off with our first topic? All right, friends. First up in Flicks News, we're taking a look at Disney planning more sequels to the Planet of the Apes franchise. What? Yes, yes. Yes. With this whole new Disney-Fox merger, the Disney acquisition of Fox, rather, they. I think what's interesting here is... First of all, more Planet of the Apes movies. Like, I feel two types of way about that. But I think, second, the interesting thing about it is that they've axed tons of live action films that were slated to be released by Fox. But this was one franchise that they chose specifically to keep around. Because it's so goddamn good. Because it's good. The the whole, the fact that the story that needed to be told was told. Like, I feel like three Planet of the Apes' movies was enough. Yeah. But they've, they've talked about just what the idea would be for these spin-off movies because they wouldn't be direct sequels they might be tied to them in some way but matt reefs said that his idea for the whole if they were to do spin-offs and something that he wanted to explore but didn't get to within the trilogy would be the idea of apes that didn't necessarily have the benefit of caesar's leadership so for those of you who haven't seen the actual trilogy that was released over the course of the last decade caesar is correct me if i'm wrong but the actual first ape that gets this 
yeah, he's mind a, enhancing. He's one of the first. He's like a, like a couple of other apes. Okay, but yeah, he was like one of the first to get the mind enhancing uh, drug serum, or serum or yeah. virus, whatever it ends up becoming. Mm-hmm. And he proves a benevolent and fair leader. Like he yeah. he teaches all these other newly hyper intelligent beings just how to form an even better society that rivals humans. Right. I always thought it would be interesting if they got because I always took these as the prequels to like the original Planet of the Apes movie. Yeah, that's like, pretty much what it is. Yeah, yeah, so it pretty much is. I always thought they would explore getting to that point to where those movies take place. I thought sure. they were going to continue it until it gets to like, oh, this is how they take over society completely. But and that, that may be where the franchise right. is heading. As of right now, Reeves is saying that whatever spinoffs they do do will be... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was so dumb. I had to <laughs> repress a smile that I hated that I right. had. But whatever the spinoffs do, it, he says the conflicts of the future are not going to be humans versus apes. They will be apes versus apes. That's an idea that I thought there were a lot more stories and there were a lot more characters that I wanted to explore. That's sort of what he's quoted as saying. So okay. I think that that's what we can expect. Again, Disney's out there to make money and they saw that Planet of the Apes, this new franchise was doing really well. And that and Avatar are pretty much what they kept from the, the Fox slate. Yeah, wow. That's impressive. Uh, they also, my next bit of topic, kept uh, trying to reboot some more Fox franchises. Um, and I'll let you know about those right now. As a part of Disney's earnings call for third quarter of 2019, Disney CEO Bob Iger, boo, confirms that, boo and yay, boo, confirms that four Fox franchises will reboot on Disney+. And those f- four franchises are Home Alone, Cheaper by the Dozen, Night at the Museum, and Diary of a Wimpy Kid. So they practically looked at the earnings of these movies. They're like, these are gold mines, and now they're going to try to resurrect it. Home Alone is the one I feel the most salty about. I don't know if Home Alone needs to be rebooted, quite frankly. I think that's done. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. There's new technology out there to make a kid essentially realistically be able to defend himself from uh, attackers, but I, I don't care. The rest makes sense. Maybe not Night of the Museum either. Maybe Cheaper by the Dozen and Diary of a Wimpy Kid makes sense to me because I thought those movies could be approved upon and I don't think people are attached to them as much. Not as much. Yeah. I feel like a, like a Cheaper by the Dozen without Steve Martin, that was sort of the huge appeal of right. the first one. Right. Was that Steve Martin was attached to it. You could t- I don't know. You could, you could swap out Steve Martin with Ted Danson and that would be fine. Yeah. Ted Danson is kind of like Steve Martin. I love Ted Danson. Right. Ted Danson is not Steve Martin. Oh, come on. They no. kind of have, have a similar... They have like, a similar type, type maybe. Yeah, but, but Ted, there's something... Ted Danson is not as sporadic, okay? Ted Danson is more cool and more... He's almost like a... I say Ted Danson is closer to Jeff Goldblum than he is to Steve Yeah, Martin. Ted Danson is like if you did mix Jeff and Steve... Together. Yeah, you if you Danson. put them through the fly machine, right. like you would get Ted Danson. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, but like that's Steve. Steve Martin has this weird charisma about him, and I think part of it comes from him so thoroughly rejecting a lot of stuff that makes like Hollywood people Hollywood. If that right. makes sense, like he yeah. gave up acting. He plays banjo in a blues group now. Right. Yeah. Like that is his thing. If you go see a Steve Martin show, you might get like ten minutes of comedy, right, and then an hour and a half of bluegrass music. Right. Like. 
like he's just he's just a weird quirky character i don't know in in that same in that similar vein like how do you do let's examine this because i'm curious how do you do a home alone reboot what is the story here maybe this time the family's left to defend for themselves as the kid is going out on vacation i don't know jesus i don't i don't it's see just, and that's the that's the thing like in today's exist. world okay so the, i i i don't understand how you'd be able to do it in today's world because the family would just facetime the kid and be like kevin right what the fuck right exactly. or like kevin would facetime the mom rather and be like hey you went to fucking paris without me right i don't know then let's be honest disney's on a diversity kick which is awesome so most likely this kid would be a person of color so it'd be like sure laquan <laughs> What the fuck? Laquan! <laughs> I just... It's ve- it's very confusing how you could do a Home Alone reboot. I'm, I'm trying to mull it over in my head. I think I think it would have to be like one of those nostalgia films. So it is still set pre-cell phone technology right. or rather at the dawn. So you of, think it's to be like they'll, they'll put the put it like in the 90s still? I think you'd have to. Because it's really, really, like you said, it's very, very tough. There are okay, so many stories. at home, so what? He'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> will fucking Uber Eats him some right. food. Yeah. There's a credit card in the cabinet or in the drawer. Like, go and grab it. Yep. You'll be fine. Tell uh, our neighbors that you, you know, tell them that you're home alone. They'll come and check on you. Yep. you live we in the have suburbs. that new doorbell technology that has a camera in the doorbell. Right. We'll see if anyone really wants to, like, the should you answer the door? Immediately. Yeah. They, they, it's just not a film that you could conceivably do in today's age. Like, the premise doesn't work. Unless so, you make it a complete horror film. Unless you make it a complete horror film. Yeah. He's home alone and he's fighting off the demons and his soul. Demons just fucking axe murderers. <laughs> like almost like the strangers or something like that. But even then, <laughs> I still feel like technology's on your side, yeah, man. Like man, I don't, that, that's the tough one. What about Night at the Museum? Night at the Museum? How are you going to do Night at the Museum without Ben Stiller? I know. Without Owen like, Wilson? I know. Without Robin Williams? Uh, those are, that's what makes the movie so... Yeah. That, that's the big appeal. I don't understand how you make Night at the Museum. What, what I, I they've okay. done everything at the museum. What other museums? <laughs> I'm willing to bet some of these reboots are going to be television shows. I could see Night at the Museum being ah, like either be an show. animated show or some sort of just some sort of kids show where it is episodically like, oh, we're dealing with this tonight in the museum, and that the security cool. guard's not even part of it. It's just like that could be cool. Oh, there's a there's a new exhibit in the museum. Oh, how funky! Like that we as like the a, other exhibits need to figure out like it could be like a magic school bus type of thing. You learn. Kind the yeah. way you go yeah it could dip. um i don't see how home alone works as a um as a kid show or nope. as, a, as a as a tv show pardon no because how the fuck you keep leaving this kid alone <laughs> yes every episode he's still alone how the fuck is he okay here's here's how you do home alone i figured it out yeah nuclear fallout oh yeah and um, you, you got kevin McAllister or laquan is a doomsday <laughs> prepper and right. he was the only one that was ready no no this is secretly a boondocks spinoff oh shit and huey is huey right Right, he is he is fucking prepared, and he's the only one who's prepared. No, that, oh yeah, he's he's Huey. Yeah, 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 you're right. He's the only one prepared. He's the only one prepared, and so everybody else that he knows and loves has died. Oh wow! And so he's there, and he's got his rations, and he's 
got everything else. And then there are like two wasteland raiders that are they're, they're, they're starving and they, they crave food. And so they're going to try to break in and steal his rations. And that, my friends, that is Home Alone, Nuclear Fallout 2039. They crawl out through the fallout, baby. Crawl out through the fallout. All right. Or even more conceivably, like global warming has happened and 90% of the planet is no longer habitable due to crazy weather conditions. And Huey is the only one who's prepared. People would riot in the streets that... It- <laughs> That is the Home Alone yeah. reboot that I think we. That's the only way you do a Home the Alone only, reboot. The only, the only reboot that I think needs to be rebooted is like Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I could see that. That's fine. I don't. I don't know too many people who've seen it. I know it's probably a. It's a book, right? First, it was like, a book originally. And I think yeah. people probably read the books. I don't think it did extraordinarily well in the box office. So like, I think that's probably a good idea. Let's move on to our next topic. Are you cool? You cool with that? Yeah. Let's kick it off into our next piece of news where we're looking at Tyree Gibson. Mocking Hobbs and Shaw's low box office opening numbers. Oh, Tyrese. What a classless fucking move. <laughs> Come on, dude. So Tyrese has been in news about this a few times. Um, he feels as if The Rock somehow betrayed him and is betraying the franchise because they offered him. And he also probably had a hand in making a spinoff. But like, it's still part of the France and the Furious franchise. If anything, it makes the franchise better. Yeah. Like, You're just generating interest for another right. movie down the line and you can have a crossover again at a certain point you just don't have the rock it's not i don't think the intention of hobbs and shaw is to get rid of fast and the furious they know fast and furious making a lot of money i don't understand this by therese i don't get it i don't get it I, he's just jealous i think he's jealous he's and i don't even know the man he could be nice i hear he's nice but you know this instance it's just unprofessional and he's jealous anything what are we gonna say i, I just sometimes people sometimes people's emotions get the better of them i right. get that in this particular instance like just be quiet right you know yeah, I, I if I don't know where this stemmed from, but it is a pretty unprofessional move to post anything about your cohorts, your peers doing poorly. It's that's not a, it's not it's not a good look. Even if jokingly, it's just like this is uh, well. And the thing was that he wasn't jokingly. Like he was clearly trying to send a message mm-hmm. to whomever is in charge of figuring out the direction of the Fast and the Furious franchise because he's quoted as saying clearly breaking up the family, breaking up the family clearly doesn't have the value that one would assume it does so he's clearly trying to send a message to somebody well, y'all may be close but at the end of the day that is your co-worker dude yeah you exactly are co-workers this is a job it's a job that you love to do it's a job that you get to be a part of and use your creative nation every day but it's still a job i, I it's like you don't do this like if any young actors out there listening to this this is exhibit a of what not to do even if you're tyrese even if you're super big be humble and sit down just close your mouth if you if you're that upset talk to the rock in person talk to the people the execs in person like you know actually have a dialogue with them we don't need to hear this shit none of us need to hear this shit i don't care and i'm sure a bunch of fast and the furious like fanatics who love the series don't care either dude and also the movie is not doing that poorly i don't think yeah it's low but it's still a moderate amount of money and it's still has it's a under worldwide. budget it's under budget but it still has china and it still has all these other things coming in 
end, I'm sure it's going to make it back and then probably a little sum. But even so, even if it doesn't make his budget back, so what, man? They tried. Why wouldn't you cheer on a coworker? Be like, yeah, good for you, man. That's awesome that you got that fucking job. Right. Good. I'm excited to see what how right. Hobbs and Shaw's goes. I, I blah, 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 blah. Right. Uh, you know, if The Rock decides to rock bottom you, that's your fault. You you put that on yeah, yourself. You, you, <laughs> you set him up for that. Right. Uh, uh, so just don't do this. Yeah, I think we'll move on to our next topic. Is that cool? Absolutely. So Jordan Peele's Us is coming to Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights. What? That is terrifying. I don't know how you do that though with the doppelgangers. I guess. I guess you. I guess you have some plants. You be plant some people who are coming into the park, and then mm-hmm. you plant their doppelgangers. <laughs> I guess that that way you'd be like, oh, what the fuck is happening? Sure. Yeah. Maybe that 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 you have two uh, actors on that front. Right. Even then, that's still super hard because you have to find right people who look exactly so twins so twins come and and audition for halloween horror nights have you ever gone to halloween horror night no i, I went it's to terrifying ho- i went to hollow scream yeah i hear that one and i was i was underwhelmed but yeah. i had a nephew i don't know if it, shabazz if you're listening or tony uh nephews of mine who went and they were like nope <laughs> absolutely not it was terrifying okay so this is interesting mm-hmm. they're gonna do it as sort of a maze so it's it's probably gonna be like a fun house mirror maze oh okay interesting and they're probably gonna play i got five on it throughout the <laughs> i'm not entirely sure there's not a lot of details obviously on how they're gonna do it because that's part of what the scare factor is but there's right. a quote saying the us maze will place guests at the heart of this living nightmare where they quickly realize they are their own worst enemy oh god how the fuck that's gonna be fun as an act do jordan peele's excited about it he's given he's given his blessing oh wow he he's quoted as saying it's been a lifelong ambition of mine to create a monster that would scare people on halloween so having the tethered join such esteemed company is a dream come true hmm. what well good for him i wonder what commission he gets from it or if he gets any at all oh he definitely there's there's some money changing hands it very well may be that it's between the execs or whatever but the fact i'm sure that jordan's getting cut in somewhere because you want to stay in his right. good graces at this True. if you're anybody in the industry right now so it's much easier to do the tether than to do the villains from get out because it's just be white people <laughs> Can you imagine that that's Halloween Horror Nights? It's just white people. Honestly, <laughs> that is why terrifying. not both? Yeah, that's like, terrifying. <laughs> congrats, the real monster was your white friend this whole time. What? <laughs> <laughs> Easy. That's that's just everyday Easy. life. That's you can't weird. put that in Halloween Horror Nights because right. that's just that's yeah. just Monday at the office. That's Monday. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's about <laughs> all we can say about that. It was just a bit fun, a uh, bit of fun news that I wanted to throw in there. I think absolutely. Really cool. I think it's very cool. I think it's time we move on to. It's a bird. It's a plane. Oh no no no! It's just first issue. <laughs> All right, friends, to kick first issue off, we're looking at the Venom star Tom Hardy getting more involved behind the scenes. The newly announced Venom 2 director Andy Serkis has confirmed that Tom Hardy is helping write the sequel's history or story. Fuck. Yeah, you know, it is history. He might also be infusing the story with some history. Right. So, you know, there's that. So Andy Serkis is directing this. It is confirmed. Um, and Tom Hardy is helping to write it as well as Andy Serkis probably. I think is having a hand in the script as well. Low key, Venom Two might be fucking hot fire. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. You've got I a good two great names attached to it. 
I think they added a different director and made sure that Tom Hardy was more in the writing this time. And with Andy Serkis, who I think is a pretty brilliant individual, Mm -hmm. you have the making of a really cool sequel. An odd, disjointed first film with a (laughs) pretty decent sequel. Could be fun. Could be fun. You know, um, Venom received mixed to negative reviews. Um, However, it made a billion dollars. But this tells me that at least Sony understands that there was a problem there's a disconnect um and i think they want to go more to it being closer to positive reviews of course every movie does and potentially be more critically acclaimed because you tell me tom hardy who's been involved in really cool things and andy circus again are behind the scenes making things move making things go i, I i'm optimistic about this one i am and i'm saying a lot because i know venom the first one was meh so it was I, very meh so tom hardy put his all into it he did and i know venom itself as the character was a good representation of what Venom is. It's just the movie around <laughs> Tom Hardy and Venom mm-hmm. that just fell through. And also Michelle Williams was barely used. Like, pretty sure she's in that, right? She's in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she just you have an A-lister like that who act her ass off any given day. You, you use that. <laughs> you know. Um, it, I'm I'm excited to see what's going on here. Andy Serkis spoke with Slash Film and they, they were asking him about the whole production process like what he intends to do with all of this. He's, he's quoted as saying, I'm right at the beginning stages i've got some very clear ideas about the journey i'd like to see visually and how we can take the characters into another dimension tom is very involved with the writing with kelly marcel of the new story so it's very much centered around their take i i'm intrigued to see because i don't know if tom hardy is a big comic book movie fan i don't or just know. a big comic book but fan in general because he i mean okay so the paycheck's different and he has a body type so when he was in batman as um bane that i mean i don't know i don't know if he's a big comic and I don't, I really, 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 really hope that you let some of the source. Please, as writers, if you're adapting stuff, it is good to look at some of this and take some inspiration. Not all, but some would be great because some of these stories, they're good for a reason. Yeah, you know the, I mean? the source <laughs> material is super important. Right. Um, so that, I hope he at least has some respect. You don't have to be a comic book fan, but at least have some respect for the good. I gotta say, I'm a, I'm a little nervous to see Kelly and Marcel's name attached to it as a writer. I Not that I don't think that she can do it, but as of right now, her only writing credits outside of Venom 2 are the Terra Nova series that premiered back in 2011 and utterly bombed. She did write Saving Mr. Banks, which was pretty dece, but then she also went on to write Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, no. And she did the screenplay for Venom in 2018. So, hopefully, hopefully with her and Tom Hardy in the room, Tom can be like, hey, like, I want to talk about this together, if you don't mind. <sighs> to be fair, she could have been pressured from execs maybe maybe acquiring any circus that that he his job could be blocking off some of that executive anxiety and information coming in that's what i was thinking is that with tom hardy throwing his clout behind it he can just be like hey i'm in the writer's room right kelly what do you want to do let's right. like let's do it because i tone saw, out all this bullshit because i saw a lot of people telling you what we can cannot do how what do you want to do right to make a good venom film right because there okay, there are parts of venom that uh, are really good so like i don't know we'll see it's just this is hard this is hard hard stuff but mm-hmm 
hopefully it pans out for them because i'm hopeful i would like i would like to see the venom character done well in a story that is good i also i still am a little butthurt about venom not having spider-man in his universe it just doesn't make any sense it doesn't make sense you're a hundred (laughs) percent right if they are going to continue down this path they're they're i'm no expert i really like spider-man i only knew venom in conjunction with spider-man i am positive that there are at least a handful of venom solo stories that are are pretty darn good there are but they still have spider-man origin like sure absolutely so here's here's the thing i i um i know sony also really really wants the rights of spider-man back um some dig um digging deep research about that um if as a matter of fact i don't know if you knew this but apparently this is rumor mill but i'm pretty sure this rumor is pretty spot on that if spider-man far from home didn't reach a billion dollars sony would have taken back the rights to spider-man far from home spider-man far from home did so i believe there still is a deal to extend spider-man through a certain number of movies sure with that being said you can tell that sony is hungry and i knew this would happen so this is the double-edged sword with um in uh, spider-man um like properties in general no no, not um spider-man into the spider-verse was so well liked critically acclaimed and made a shit ton of money Mm -hmm. that got sony thinking we can we can make a spider-man yeah we can make a fucking look at this we made an academy award-winning spider-man movie sure we can do this so i'm sure that there's there are a bunch of sony execs who are like wait guys we need to get spider-man back we need to get spider-man back and i don't think you do i think you need to loosen up on your rights you can work together with the mcu with disney and you guys can do crossovers that's fine Mm -hmm. let disney do what it do baby and i'm not a fan of monopolies but when it comes to this y'all ain't got it y'all didn't have it for a long time for a long fucking spider-man movies have been terrible Mm -hmm. so i need you guys to back the fuck up sorry chill yeah yeah just chill but that leads us to our next movie and fox property x-men dark phoenix directly led to disney's large third quarter loss wow yeah it's uh wow bob Iger is on record as saying that that definitely was a huge part of it he also said that a lot of just a lot of fox properties were underperforming but he cited that one in particular way to grab something a sinking ship it's like yep a lot of these fox properties are fucking fucking us up which is funny that you call that you say a sinking ship because he even said at the time of acquisition we thought they were doing better than they were and then we got everything and we're like oh yeah so that's an uphill battle even for disney to, to that's okay so it led to a large third quarter loss jeez that movie didn't make its budget back at all yo. oh no it was it was a hot hot dumpster fire just like throwing money down a toilet just watching it drink just, out yeah, yeah i mean and it's a shame because again the start of that trilogy or whatever you want to call it was quite promising and you had a lot of great people attached to it yeah just I, something something happened I along feel the way bad for sophie turner yeah because they keep trying to give her this vehicle x-men and just like it's not working out and i think she's a fine actor uh, I, I really hope that um she finds something else she you will know? yeah she will yeah. like yeah the, yeah i have a hundred percent confidence that we will see sophie turner and probably not a superhero movie for a yeah little bit. probably she'll probably stay away yeah yeah uh but with that being said this is not on the docket but i'm gonna throw this into this bit of news that um, I believe Bob Iger and Kevin Feige have officially announced that X-Men and Fantastic Four are a part of the MCU, which we, of course, we fucking with that. Um, so, yeah, so X-Men be- 
because of this news, definitely because of this news, I think X-Men, we won't see X-Men for a good five years. I mean, yeah. What we'll see is probably a, a, a mutant show up in a movie. I don't know what mutant it would be, but that's how we get an introduction. We won't see the full team for a long time. I will be 30 plus by the time we, <laughs> I see an X-Men movie in the MCU. I'm just, I, it, it, they need to, they have to let this rust shake off. They need to, 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 to let the stink die down. Sure. And people are probably, this is a good example. People are just tired of it. There's like, the Fox did such a bad job towards the end. They went down in a blazing heap of bullshit. And, and I think as a business person, if I were in that position, I would be like, just leave off a while. So I don't think that we're going to see an X-Men movie for a long time. Uh-huh. I personally think that we will see X-Men peppered throughout the MCU oh, as characters. I agree. I, I think I'm willing to bet that we are going to get some sort of second generation Avengers. Mm-hmm. And that will either have one to two movies, maybe even a whole trilogy arc, and that's going to be phase four, is the second generation of Avengers. And then, either towards the tail end of phase four or phase five, it's not going to be about the Avengers. It's going to be about the X-Men. Yes. And that's how you cool off on the Avengers for a while. I would feel, I feel like there should be an, uh, okay, something close to Civil War, X-Men versus the Avengers would be really cool to see. I think that, that would be that's interesting. A, a, I'm not sure how you would set it up in the MCU I'm right now. I'm pretty sure that has been, uh, in con- that, so that's comic book canon, and has happened a few times. I don't know how you set it up right now, but in tail into phase five. Sure. Like this team is like, oh, because you, you have to think about it. People have to start feeling some type of way sooner or later about the Avengers because the Avengers caused half, not they didn't cause it, but people don't know that half the fucking universe was wiped out. Mm, the mm-hmm. Consequences have to be there. It was like, you motherfuckers, if you guys think you're that, and it was already peppered through in Spider-Man with Mysterio. It's like pretty much like you motherfuckers will believe anything and you don't know the Avengers like you think you knew. Um, and all this has should happen because of Tony Stark being Iron Man. So there will be, I think, a collaborative effort of people turning against the Avengers. Thus, the X-Men rise up. Thus, you see all these things happen, and then you'll probably get an Avengers X-Men. I could be I could be wrong, though, but I do like your idea, and um, our idea, really, of X-Men being peppered throughout. Now, when do you think you'll see Wolverine, though? I think you hold off on Wolverine. Yeah. No, you don't pull the trigger on Wolverine for a hot minute, just because Hugh Jackman is the iconic Wolverine. There's a reason that there wasn't a Wolverine yeah. in these most recent X-Men films because yeah. no one's gonna no one's gonna buy that. No one's gonna buy it. You wait, you wait. You, you just and I wouldn't even put him in an X-Men film. No. I would just have him at the tail end of a credit scene. He would definitely be a Stinger character. Right. I honestly think it's a shame that Tom Hardy's attached to Venom because I wouldn't mind seeing him try the Wolverine mantle. You know he could. He I mean, first of all, he's got the body type. Yeah. Second of all, he's got the like rugged charm. Right. I he could. I think we need to wait just a little bit longer to see what this generation's Hugh Jackman is. Yeah. We don't know that yet. He might be out there. He, he may be, be already on the scene. Like he may be someone already on our radar that we're like, they're gonna do Wolverine, they're gonna cast that person for Wolverine. And then like, oh, oh. Can you imagine fantastic? A uh David Harbour. I could. I could. Yeah. He is little, also of yeah. similar body type. Yeah, he's a hairy man. Yeah. Could do it. Maybe more like Sabretooth for him though. He would be a good Sabretooth. Yeah. yeah I feel like it. Yeah. All right. Well, we can talk all day about this. We could. And in, in, instead, we're going to talk about how Deadpool 3 might not be rated R. The director, David Leach, says that it doesn't necessarily need to be rated R. Yep. I know a handful of people in my own life, and probably I could <laughs> guess multitudes others yep. of others that would just flat out disagree. Put them on blast. Put them on fucking blast. Okay. Disney has acquired Fox. Yep. Deadpool was a Fox property. Yep. We saw Deadpool do so phenomenally well in part 
one and part two. Some people feel contentious about part two. I personally liked it. Part one did so well because it was a rated R superhero irreverent film that was full of filthy comedy, references to drugs, sex, and no short amount of gratuitous violence. Check. That's sort of Deadpool's brand. That is Deadpool's brand. Now, there has been Deadpool in animated series um, that has been toned down. There is precedence for it. Um, there is also, I think, a trial run with Once Upon a Deadpool. People are like, oh, they're just trying to make extra money. It's not really a trial run for Disney. That was a fucking trial run. You think that was... Guys, do you know how smart Disney is? Do you know what they're doing? They repackaged mm-hmm. that the same fucking movie. All, trust me, they already had that shit cut. They didn't cut that shit after they had it cut because they knew. They knew that this is going to be acquired by Disney. They know they want Ryan Reynolds in it, but they have to see how it does with families. So what they did, and they weren't going to do it immediately. They're not going to go out the gate PG-13. They re-edited, they, yeah, re-edited Deadpool 2, made it PG-13, made fun of the fact that it was PG-13, and released it around Christmas time. So they did it under everyone's nose to make sure like, oh, you know what? This does sell. We can do this. That, because that sold so well, I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I think it's kind of a cool idea. They are confident now to make a PG-13 Deadpool. Could it work? I'm sure it's going to be a solid film. It'll be just gonna, it's going to be different. It's it's not going to be the same zest. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's in part because the production team wants to play in the MCU and yep. Leach in particular says that he doesn't believe that it's the MCU brand to have a rated R film. And that's, I agree with that to a point, but I also, I am disappointed by that because this is your opportunity to have one or two things that break the mold. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, Deadpool, is. Blade, you don't like, they don't all have to be rated R, but those are two properties that will be in the MCU that you can use to stand outside of and differentiate yourself from the rest of the slew, the the multitude of properties that are already in there. You have you have two projects in particular that can stand so far apart and stand so independently just based off of making marketing them to a full-on adult audience. Yeah, uh, I agree. And when he interacts with the Avengers, you can make a PG-13. You can exactly you can flip-flop on this. You don't have it's not a constant. Deadpool always has to be rated R. But the first one that you have at least at least give us that. What they'll probably they do is they'll have two cuts of the film just like they did last one so they will release pg-13 in theaters dvd blu-ray release they'll have a full unedited version that's <sighs> what's gonna so happen right it's gonna be a director's cut they, they they know exactly what they're doing this is how they're gonna they're gonna do it if and even then they might even re-release and rated our version it because yeah. that plays into what they did before marketing 101 dude <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I just think that their box office numbers will suffer. They will have fan backlash if if they kick off Deadpool 3's release with a PG-13 rating. I don't I don't think that yeah. any story necessarily suffers from having less gore or, you know, less mature themes. I think that it's possible with a lot of stuff. Deadpool in particular, like, sure, they say that rated R ratings don't fit an MCU's brand. Crude humor, a lot of frank talk about violence drugs and sex and the portrayal of all of that is Deadpool's brand like that's yeah so I mean so I, I will tell our listeners get used to a PG-13 Deadpool I, I guarantee you that once we find out the rating of Deadpool if it's not rated R within a week we will have news of 
a special cut or you know how there is a rated r version of this film it just won't be what we distribute or something right yeah uh, that's probably exactly what's gonna happen so there you have it I think again comic book news it's a lot of movie news this week usually the first of the month i try to have a comic book um suggestion i'm not gonna do this this episode i will do it next episode because i'm in strap for cash but i have a little now so i can go and purchase some comic books to suggest to you guys mm. oh boy you may even have a special guest talk about them and talk about a suggestion i don't know uh we'll see all right uh let's move on to our next segment you ready ian i'm so ready ben boom 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 netflix now all right, friends, we're here at Netflix now, and we're taking a look at uh, something a little bit different today, something that might be a little off the beaten path for a lot of us. This crossed my suggested shows or projects on the Netflix timeline, and I thought, you know, why not give something different a chance? We're taking a look at the Indian television series Typewriter. It's nice and short. It's concise. Clocks in at five episodes for season one at about 50 minutes apiece. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a season two, but this is totally bingeable, totally worth your time. It's got a starring cast of Jishu Sengupta, Parab Kohli, Samir Kochar, Palomi Ghosh, and many, many others, but that's just to name a few. So this film, this, it's not a film, excuse me, this television show is marketed as a horror television show, and I don't think that that is apt. In fact, I think that if you go in expecting a genuine horror movie feel over the course of five and a half hours or so, you're going to be a little bit disappointed. I think this film works really well when framed as a supernatural thriller with family stories at its Mm. core. There's some people are drawing comparisons to it being a version of Stranger Things. It's and I kind of see where that parallel comes from because there is a gang of young kids that are aspiring ghost hunters and they really, really, really want to explore this villa. The premise is three young friends in Goa plan to search an old villa for ghosts, but when a new family moves in, the home's buried past resurfaces in chilling ways. And there are some really, really great reveals. There are quite a few moments where you're not sure if someone is who they are. It's And there, there were some re- reveals that genuinely like made me go oh that's so cool i love it and it's an awesome title sequence the child actors in this are so so talented so again i see where the parallels to stranger things where those parallels are drawn i don't necessarily agree with them full disclosure if you're curious about the title there's a haunted typewriter and yeah and it's an old typewriter that used to belong to this horror book writer who mysteriously passed away and now his granddaughter who grew up in the villa has returned after starting her own family she's a full-fledged adult and so again this is really just a thriller with family stories at its core Mm. there's some great mystery um the leader of the young wannabe ghost hunter gang goes by sam portrayed quite well by arna sharma she does fantastic her father is a police officer in town and so he often is trying to solve these mysterious deaths and Mm. dig up at the behest of the woman who's returned to the villa some family history and as he does there's a lot of implications of black magic and just it's fun it's not the best thing on the market i'm gonna give y'all a rating for this one i can recommend it as a bingeable show that you could binge in a day if you're like i want to watch something that kind of puts me on edge but not too much like i want to be able to go to bed after i watch it this thing clocks in at a i would give it like a 6.5 out of 10 if i was being gracious i would say a 7 out of 10 
Okay, not a point five. <laughs> not a point five. I can guarantee you I will put the entirety of my money on the table right. and say that you will enjoy typewriter more than you will enjoy either of the Haunted Mansion movies starring Marlon Wayans <laughs> reviewed by Odie Henderson. Oh my god. I will guarantee you that, my friend. That's and a if guarantee. not you get all the money in my bank account, it's not high stakes. Right. I'll tell you that. Right. But I am comfortable making that assumption. And this is just great. I I cannot recommend foreign television and foreign movies enough because being in the United States, we see and are saturated and bombarded with pretty much only stories that Hollywood chooses to put out. And what's great about watching properties from other countries is that you will see such a different dynamic in storytelling. And that's on showcase with typewriter here. It may not be the best instance of that, but I think that it is, it's a good stepping stone. If you're curious, like, hmm, like, will I really actually enjoy any sort of foreign television or cinema? Give typewriter a try because it's gonna, it's going to give you a little bit of a culture shock. It's going to sort of give you a little bit different way to tell a story. Mm. There are some thematic moments where you're like, Oh, this is kind of like Bollywood. I get it. Oh, it's cute. Okay. But like they don't go full Bollywood. I was waiting for that moment when I was watching. I was like, and when do they sing and dance? Right. And they didn't, which, you know, that's cool. I like that. Right. I would have been down with a Bollywood sequence, but this is a solid film. It's a quick watch. And that's my Netflix now for the week, y'all. That's what I got. That's what I got to watch. And I wanted to share with you some typewriter. Netflix now. Love it. Go watch it now. Nah. Do you want to know something that we don't know? Sure. Here comes some trivia. Here we go. Okay. Okay. All right. Y'all, let's do some trivia. Get some knowledge in your noggin. Let's do it, man. Let's learn some stuff about movies. Today, we're focusing pretty specifically on comic book movies, if I'm not mistaken. Not just heroes, but any comic book movie. Yeah, I didn't do too great. I pretty much couldn't find a lot of shit outside. Uh, heroes. Like superhero That's shit. That's all good. Uh, you want to go first? Sure. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. Hit it. So this is fun, Ben. When they were casting Guardians of the Galaxy, they auditioned quite a few different people, and this person was in talks to play Nebula before things went south. Who did we almost have as Nebula? Was it Jennifer Lawrence? Was it Gal Gadot? Was it Julia Stiles? Or was it Daisy Ridley? Uh, Gal Gadot, Julius, Gal Gadot. It was. Gal Gadot was almost wow. Nebula in Guardians of the Galaxy. I could see that. I could definitely see that. It's, yeah. It's a, yeah I could. Badass fighting person. Yep. Yeah. You ready for yours? Yeah, hit me with this. Which movie is a comic book adaptation? Richie Rich, Jupiter Ascending, Looper, or The Fifth Element? I want to say it's Richie Rich. You would be correct, sir. Yeah, yeah. I remember hearing that and being like, well, damn. Yep, well, that's interesting. It is Richie Rich. Good, good. Man, good. we're just on top of it today. Right, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, Ben. I got one for you. What was the first time that Mark Ruffalo's voice was actually used for the Hulk? Was it Avengers Age of Ultron? Was it 2008's The Incredible Hulk? Was it Avengers Infinity War? Or was it Thor Ragnarok? Infinity War. It's actually Thor Ragnarok. It was the first time that Mark Ruffalo actually got to voice the character of the Hulk. That's close. That that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I knew it had to come later. All right. You ready for your second one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hit me with this. This one's kind of an easy one, but I had to rush one. What director almost directed Superman Returns? Christopher Nolan, Matt Reeves, Spike Lee, or Kevin Smith? I'm feeling Kevin. Kevin Smith. But now I'm second guessing myself. I'm like, maybe they wanted Christopher Nolan to stick around. <laughs> I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna lock in Kevin Smith. You would be right. Super okay. Remember, Superman Returns the bad one. That was the one. That's right. Yeah, it was yeah, pre Man of Steel. Pre Man of Steel. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah, correct. Good. All two, right. Two. There we go. There you go. All right. All right. I got one. I got one for you. This is the final trivia question of the 
day, Ben, Hugh Jackman reportedly did one specific thing to get himself into a grumpy and angry mood any day that he had to play Wolverine. What thing did he do before shooting his scenes as the iconic character? Did he skip breakfast? Did he read hate mail? Did he take freezing cold showers in the morning? Or did he watch Fox News? He watched Fox News. I don't I don't know if that's right, but I'm going to he watched Fox News. I, I'm sure it would definitely have helped. Yeah, it was a skipping breakfast. He actually would take freezing cold showers okay. in the morning because they reportedly made him increasingly grumpy. Uh, that's fair. If I ever need to get in character, he's just mad all the time. Fox News. Just watch. watch some Fox News. Watch Jesus some Hannity Christ. or something. I don't care about that one. I was just, I hope. All right. You ready for your final one? Yes, yes. Give me, that, give me that good, tasty last question. What is the only comic? book movie denzel washington has appeared in deja vu the book of eli two guns or man on fire i feel like it's got to be book of eli that's just got such a comic-y feel you sure well no not anymore (laughs) but that's what i'm going with it was Uh, either that or i I, deja vu would be my second all right you would be wrong it is two guns two guns is actually a comic book adaptation i don't even know what that is and mark Wahlberg. they were like oh yeah he's wearing a hat they have a they're like fbi agents i think or something like that okay sure came and went it's a, it's a yeah i movie. definitely did you said two guns i was like that's a made-up movie right yeah actually <laughs> nope. two guns. <laughs> there you go all right there you go that was trivia hopefully you learned something just a little something all right friends it has been real what a real time we actually experienced yep. this time in space together we did we did uh guys Thanks so much for riding this ride with us. We can do without any of y'all. It's so true. It's so true, y'all. We got through Lollapalooza because we live here in Chicago, and we're ready Ooh. and we're re- re-energized to yes, yeah, get some news and some fucking shit out to you. We just wanna, yeah, we love bringing you this info. We hope you enjoy ingesting it and right. being just a little more informed on what's happening in the movie world. Yeah, and we have some some really really cool treats coming up for you within the next month too. So be on the lookout for that. Um, but for the most part, Ian, where can the people find you? My friends, if you want to talk about anything, you're just having a long day, or you want to talk about movies, or you want to talk about just miscellaneous stuff, you can find me. I'm there. I'm on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Sir Yikes a lot at Baby Got Knack, or you can find me on the Facebook as Ian Mutiner. Ben, where could people find you? You can find me on Twitter at BT Jenkins91. You can also find me on Facebook, Benjamin Timothy Jenkins. I'm there and available. I will give you my Instagram, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> you can also find Too Many Flicks at, at Too Many Flicks with the number two and an X at the end on any social media platform. You can also contact us via email by uh, Too Many Chicago at gmail.com. That's Too Many at gmail.com. Again, that's the number two and an X at the end of Flicks. Well, I mean, that's pretty much all we got for you. You can you can commence throughout the rest of your day or cleaning or whatever you're doing. The, yeah. The way you listen to us. You, you, Best free of now. luck. Hopefully, yeah, we will release you from the bonds right. of audio captivity and you just go about whatever it is you were doing. Yeah, but also come back next week. We have some more news and tasty bits to give to you. That's right. That's right. Spread spread the good word. Yeah. Spread it. Spread <laughs> Spread the good word. And also realize, you know, there's a lot of content out there. There's so many different streaming platforms. If you're overwhelmed, don't worry. We got you because we're too many flicks and we watch all the flicks. So that you don't have to. 